Even the crickets went quiet while listening to the moans and groans as two young people steamed up the windows of their car. Parking just off the road, slightly in the woods, seemed like a good place for young love to run its course without being disturbed. Most legends start in a parked car, in the dark woods, in the back seat. So caught up in the moment, it is nearly impossible to hear the rustling of the leaves as someone or something approaches. The smell of something dead with a hint of smoke and ashes begins to fill the car. The couple stop, distracted by the foul smell that is decay with a hint of backyard barbecue. A chill creeps into the air and goosebumps signal the sense that they are being watched. Wiping the condensation from the window, they are horrified to see a face staring down at them. It was not a normal face. It was disfigured and burned. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, we are discussing the California urban legend of the Char Man. Is it a man, a myth, or is it a monster? This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. When I was 13, I was scared of everything. Actually, I had been that way my whole life. My mom was overprotective, and her fears had seemed to rub off on me. Storms, spiders, snakes, skateboards, you name it, I was scared of it. When you are a 13-year-old boy, it is easy to get pegged as a loser when you refuse to go with your friends to the beach because the weatherman said it could rain. Everyone knows that where there is rain, there is a good chance of lightning. My friends laughed at me, but I was used to it. My name is Jake, but my dad started calling me Chicken Little when I was five, and eventually that got shortened to Chick. Now that is what everyone calls me. I was okay with being left out or laughed at when my friends had plans that I deemed too dangerous. It was better to be safe than sorry. But all that changed the summer I turned 14. The first weekend of summer was off to a good start. The weather forecast was 10 days of nothing but sunshine and clear skies. I was hanging out with my best friend Jimmy at his house playing Monster Hunter when Scott and Eli stopped by. We had all been friends since our first year at Topa Topa Elementary. When we all graduated from elementary in the sixth grade, we were lucky to be placed in the same middle school for the next year. 
The transition to seventh grade was easier on all of us because we had each other and, in a way, it made us closer. We had a tight-knit little group that we were still trying to figure out a name for. Jimmy's mom must have let them in because they got the drop on us. Luckily, when they burst through the bedroom door, Jimmy screamed just as loud as I did. They both had a good laugh, but as usual, Eli had to take a jab at me. Hey, chick. Jimmy can almost scream as loud as you, but you sound more like a girl. I guess you just have more practice. I gave Eli the bird and resumed playing the game, but Eli wasn't going to have it. His presence there was proof that he wanted something, and he was not going to let us have a moment's peace until he told us what it was. Are you ladies going to sit there on your asses and play games all summer? Let's do something, he demanded. Mom said the pool was ready for swimming. Chick, you can bring your sunblock and floaties. I bet your sister would loan you her bikini, too. Eli's mom managed the Ojai Valley Inn, and when it wasn't too busy, she let us come swim at the pool. It was a nice big one, too. Eli didn't see me roll my eyes, but I told him to go suck a goat. He knew that I could outswim all of them. I had taken swimming lessons the first time when I was four, and for three summers after that. Swimming in a pool was one thing I wasn't scared of. It was nice to know that drowning was one fear that I did not have. Scott and Jimmy were trading punches by the time I put the controller down. Scott had told Eli that Jimmy's mom was a milf. Just the usual shit. And it always ended in a slugfest with Scott begging for mercy through tears of laughter. After they had caught their breath, Scott whispered something else profane about Jimmy's mom and calling him daddy under his breath as he made a dash for the door. Jimmy was hot on his trail and managed to tackle him in the front yard where they finished one more wrestling match before we grabbed our box and headed down to the inn. It only took us about 10 minutes to get to the inn. We knew all the shortcuts. When we pulled up to the inn, there was no one in the pool but we had to go inside and let Eli's mom know we were there. She gave us the rundown of the rules. No running, no diving, no horseplay. We knew the rules and stuck to them. Somewhat. By the time we got to the pool, there were a few people already there, but that was no big deal. We threw our stuff on one corner of the table and proceeded to see who could get their shoes and shirts off fastest to reach the pool first. You know how boys are. Everything is a competition. My phone started vibrating and caused me to be the last one standing by the pool. It was my mom. She checks in on me every couple of hours. It's kind of embarrassing. After I replied to her text, I laid down my phone and headed for the pool. I had just gotten to the edge when I noticed someone swimming towards me under the water. I waited for them to surface. I could have just run to the other side, but for some reason, I waited. Maybe it was the long blonde hair that reminded me of a mermaid that caught my eye, but whatever it was, I was entranced. I stood there, just staring, as the most beautiful creature I had ever seen emerged from the water. My ears and probably every inch of my exposed skin turned a deep shade of red when I heard Scott yell, Hey, chick! Put up your boner and get in the pool. That was enough to trigger me back into action. Embarrassed, no, mortified, 
I ran to the edge of the pool and jumped in making a huge splash. I was relieved as the water cooled my flush skin, but it wasn't enough to cool the memory of what had just happened. I went all the way under and stayed there for as long as I could. When I finally popped my head back out, I automatically looked back around to see if the girl was still there. And she was. She was sitting right in front of me and had this bright, disarming smile on her face. She was staring right at me. I was in a trance again. I couldn't look away, even though I wanted to. I was still watching her when she suddenly stood and ran. She jumped back into the pool, landing in the water not a foot from me. I closed my eyes when the splash caught me right in the face. The water went up my nose, so I was coughing when she resurfaced. There was that smile again. I just stared like an idiot and was still staring when she spoke. Hi, I'm Grace. I could hear the guys jeering and snickering from behind me, but I didn't care. I was lost in the moment. Hi, I'm Jake, and uh, but you can call me Chick. Everyone does. Grace was a name for an angel, and I was totally ruined from that moment on. We talked for a while. She told me she was staying in Ohio for the summer. Her dad was a contractor and her mom worked on computers. They were both working on a new mall that was set to open in the fall, and they had rented a house, but the landlord had some repairs to finish up before they could move in. I eventually got around to introducing her to Eli, Scott, and Jimmy. They were more friendly with her than I liked, but it was me that she stuck close to. We had swim races, played Marco Polo and chicken, and when we got tired, we just floated around for a while and talked. When Grace told us where she would be staying, Eli jumped at the opportunity to give her a scare. He began to tell her about the hauntings of Ohio. Did you know that Ohio is considered one of the most haunted small towns in California? The inn here, for instance, has its own ghost, Eli began telling her. Grace didn't seem scared. She seemed intrigued. Room number five is haunted. There is a ghost that likes to bang on the closet door from the inside. If you open the door, the banging will stop, but a horrible smell will drift out of the closet and fill the room. Eli continued in his most creepy voice. Grace was curious. Can we go in there? What is the story? Who is the ghost? She asked excitedly. No, Eli told her, acting disappointed. My mom says it is too dangerous, and that if we get killed, it would be bad for business. But that is not even the worst ghost in this town. Have you ever heard of the Char Man? I can do even better than tell you the story. I can take you to the place where he is seen the most. Unless you are too scared, that is. Scott and Jimmy laughed when he said this. I know my friends, though. They were terrified of the Char Man. Of course, with a girl present, and a pretty one, they had to act tough. Grace lit up with the idea of a scary adventure. I love a good ghost hunt, but can I bring someone? I have to make sure it's okay with my parents, too. But I can make up something less scary to tell them. I haven't even told you the story yet, Eli complained. That's okay, 
Save it for the hunt. It makes it scarier. We can meet you later. Just say when and where. I could tell that Eli hadn't really expected her to want to go. He was just trying to scare her. Okay. Meet us back here this evening at 8. We will walk to Creek Road from here, he instructed her. Grace hurried out of the pool and grabbed her things. I have to go. I can't wait to tell Adrian. And then she rushed off without a goodbye. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Camp Comfort County Park can be found along the scenic Creek Road in Ventura County, California, not far south of Ojai. The park has been a resting spot for weary travelers for centuries with its picturesque oak-sheltered location and abundance of clear running water. Although the park looks peaceful enough, it certainly houses its share of spooky spirits. Many travelers passing through have been terrorized by its resident paranormal entities, opting for longer routes the next time they traveled. If there is a next time, that is. It was commonly referred to by travelers as a comfort spot, which was where it got its name. Of course, even the greatest of comfort can never ensure true safety, just as the most peaceful of locations can house the darkest of secrets. The darkest perhaps being the legend of the Charman. There is a bridge just south of Ojai in Ventura County near Camp Comfort Park on Creek Road that is said to be haunted by ghosts of children, crash victims, a vampire, and even a spectral school bus, just to name a few. The most famous of the ghosts haunting the bridge is Charman. It is said that if you stop on or near the bridge and yell, help me, help me, the Charman will run in a rage out of the woods and attack you. There are several popular scenarios as to where the Charman came from. 
1948, a fire said to be the most devastating since the June 1917 fire roared toward Ohio Valley. 1,500 firefighters fought the blaze that started near the pool at Willer's Resort when a butane pipe burst. The fire burned 30,000 acres and destroyed 13 homes. Orchid Town and the Old Foothills Hotel were just some of the properties that were badly scorched by fire. Seemingly everyone has a different version of how the Charmen came to be. Many of these stories begin with the fire in 1948. According to a statement made by Charlie Seaman to Western Folklore, the legend of the Charmen was in wide circulation when he was in high school at Ojai Valley. He describes the town as a small, quiet, mountain-ridged community about 14 miles inland from Ventura, California. Seaman said he had heard the story many times from his peers, and his own version seems to be very typical. Here is Charlie Seaman's version of the story as he remembers it from his high school days in 1964. Seaman recalls back in 1948 that there was a big brush fire in the Ohio Valley, which burned a good part of the valley and destroyed many homes. It was several days after the fire before anyone could get around to all the burned homes in the surrounding foothills to see if everyone was all right. He remembers that there was a man living with his son in an isolated cabin in the hills south of town. Their house was burned in the fire. The father was killed and his son was badly burned. When someone finally got around to the remains of the cabin, they found that apparently the son had gone crazy from the traumatic experience. He had hung the body of his father from what was left of a nearby tree and had stripped all the burned skin from it. After skinning his father, he fled into the hills down Old Creek Road, where he has lived in his charred condition ever since. Locals claimed that occasionally, the boy who is now grown comes close enough to town to encounter someone, occasionally chasing people and such. The police have been sent out to look for him, and although they have caught glimpses of him and found traces of him, they have never been able to catch him. Seaman became interested in seriously studying the legend years later, because as he considered several variants, an interesting pattern of migration had begun to emerge. He traced the legend from its origin and location on one side of the Ohio Valley on Shelf Road, through its various forms and migration to the Old Creek Road area, all the way across the valley. Seaman interviewed a woman who worked for the Ojai Valley News, a local weekly paper, and she told him that her sons learned the story when the family first moved to Ojai in 1961. Her boys were 8 and 11 years old at the time. Her boys told her the story of the Charman. The boys told their mother that the Charman lived in the foothills in the area between the ends of Signal Street and Daly, both dirt roads. They told her how because he had been in his house in the big fire of 1948, he was burnt to a crisp. He had been living there, in the ruins of the house, ever since. He was all covered in bandages and was afraid to come out into town because he was so horribly disfigured. The eight-year-old boy claimed to have seen the house where the char man lived, but he had never seen the man himself. Later, in another interview done by Seaman with Sergeant Bill Clemser, a longtime member of the Ohio Police Department, the officer also placed the charman at the end of Signal Street. Officer Clemser tells in his statement about how a few years earlier in the early 60s they got a report from some teenagers that they had been parked up at the point. 
a sort of lookout spot overlooking the valley up on Shelf Road. The teenager's car had been approached by an awful-looking creature, which they said had the appearance of being badly burned and deformed. They used the word charred. Officer Clemser said the first report was just brushed aside, but soon they had more similar reports and then some parents came in complaining that their kids had been frightened by a similar man near Shelf Road. The department started an investigation, patrolling the Shelf Road Signal Street area, looking for this charred man. Of course, by this time, the stories of this awful creature had spread among the kids in the valley, and somehow he got the name Char Man. Eventually, Officer Clamser said, the individual who was the source of these reports was found. He was an elderly man who lived alone with his dog near Signal Street. He had cancer, apparently some kind of bad skin cancer, and his face and one arm were badly deformed. He was so ugly that he didn't like to be seen, and so he only went out for walks at night or early in the evening with his dog up on Shelf Road, away from town. It was while he was walking up there that he would sometimes be seen by kids parked at the point. Anyway, soon the kids were saying that this man had been burned up in the big 1948 fire and that he was still living there. That was about as far as the whole thing went, Officer Clemser stated, until four or five years ago when this char man turned up down Old Creek Road. Then things got out of hand, with dozens and dozens of kids going down there looking for the char man, until it was necessary for our department and the sheriff's department to send men down there to keep them away. Sergeant Clamser told Seaman that he was certain that the cancer victim involved in this series of incidents on Shelf Road was the original inspiration for the Charman legend. During an interview with another local, Mrs. Lynn Leakins, a longtime Valley resident, her 12-year-old son came into the room. Curious about the currency of the legend in his age group, Seaman attempted to interview him as well. The boy told Seaman that he knew the story. He told him that his brother was in Seoul Park with some friends when this monster guy came running at them from the bushes. He was all burned looking and was wearing an old ripped up windbreaker. The story of the burned boy and the cancerous man are just two possibilities of how the char man came about. Some believe he is the ghost of a fireman that was killed in the 1948 fire. One popular story that explains the attacks on the bridge at Camp Comfort Park is the story of a young married couple who also lost their lives in the fire of 1948. As the fire engulfed their home, a young man was badly burned, but while he was able to escape, he was too badly injured to go back in and save his young wife. He lay in helpless agony as he listened to his beloved scream, Help me! Help me! from the raging inferno. Later, whether from his injuries or grief, no one knows. The young man also died. This explains why parking on the bridge, now dubbed Charman Bridge, and yelling for help, will summon the monster known as the Charman. The Charman legend was not the original reason that three filmmakers visited Ohio to make a documentary. They were there looking for the Ohio Vampire, a story for another time. The Charman title documentary is a found footage style film, directed, written, and produced by Kurt Ella and Kip Tribble. 
Inspiring stories and amateur films are not the only credit that can be given to the Charman. This legend has even inspired a hot sauce. Chris Sutton is the creator and cook behind the Charman brand hot sauces. Fascinated with heat, he began producing hot sauces as a condiment for his family restaurant. The sauce became extremely popular, and in 2006, he officially founded the Charman brand. These fiery hot sauces can now be found as far as New Zealand. Pyromania is an obsession with fire, but if you are obsessed with the Charman, is it called Charmania? If you want to find out what causes people to spark with excitement about the Ojai legend, take a chance and drive out to Camp Comfort County Park. Park on the bridge and yell for help. If you are lucky, or not so lucky, maybe you will get a glimpse of the crispy monster with peeling skin, reeking of burnt flesh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were a few minutes early to meet Grace at the inn, but she was already standing outside waiting on us. Her hair was even more golden when it was dry. She scooped her hair into her hand and was fastening it into a ponytail when a skinny blonde-headed boy stepped out from behind her. Oh, sorry. This is my brother Adrian. We are fraternal twins. We are total opposites. He is shy and scared of everything, she explained. Adrian dropped his head and stared at the ground. I thought to myself, finally, someone who may be more afraid of things than I am. I was dreading this so-called ghost hunt. We had heard the Charmin stories our whole lives. The other guys had been to Creek Road and Camp Comfort Park many times, but my fears always kept me from going. I suspected that is why Eli chose now when I didn't want to look bad in front of Grace to suggest we go there. I put on a brave face and stayed quiet most of the way there. It was getting close to dark and the shadows from the trees were starting to fade. Grace walked by me all the way, chattering. I did my best to keep up with the conversation, but my mind was on what lay ahead. There were more stories than I could count of kids disappearing or travelers being attacked by ghosts and ghouls on Creek Road. Most of the stories took place on or near the bridge that was located just past the park. Adrian had fell into step next to Jimmy, which was good. Jimmy always looked out for the weaker kids. That's probably how we ended up being friends in the first place. It sounded like Jimmy had gotten him to talk. I could hear them discussing game consoles and their preferences. By the time we got to the bridge, it was almost completely dark. Scott whipped out a flashlight and led us just off the edge of the road into the woods a little ways. There's a comfortable place with a couple of fallen trees to sit on just over there, Eli was saying. This is where we come to tell ghost stories and watch for the char man. Chick wouldn't know. He's never been here. That last was said with a smirk that I could almost hear and was familiar with. 
Sure enough, there was a small clearing inside a canopy of trees with two fallen trees parallel to each other. It almost looked like someone had placed them there just for this purpose. There was also burnt limbs and ashes where previous visitors had built a fire. Damn it, I heard Scott say. I forgot to bring the lighter. I guess we'll have to do this without a fire. I sat down on the tree closest to the path where we had walked in, and Grace walked over and sat beside me. Adrian sat next to her, and Scott, Eli, and Jimmy perched on the other tree. I was trying not to seem nervous, but I was. I was dang near petrified. Okay, Eli began. This is how the story goes. Years ago, back in the 1840s, I think it was, one of the neighborhoods in Ohio caught fire. It was really dry, and the fire spread fast. I jumped when Grace reached over and grabbed my hand. I heard her giggle a little bit, and I was thankful for the dark, because I could feel the heat on my ears and cheeks from the blush that was spreading across them. There weren't enough firefighters back then to contain a fire that size, so eventually, after burning down a bunch of houses in town, the fire made it to the forest, Eli continued. This is where it gets creepy. You see, back then there was this man and his son living in an old cabin in the woods. They say the boy was, you know, not right in the head, and that is why his dad kept him out there. The fire was moving fast, but the man and his kid were already in bed by the time the fire reached them. It had consumed most of the cabin when the man woke up and tried to pull his boy to safety, but it was too late. Eli was doing a good job telling the story because I was scared shitless. As Eli continued, I felt Grace scoot closer to me, and that helped me stay focused on something other than the fear growing inside my chest. The roof collapsed and knocked down the dad. The boy stayed there trying to pull his dad out from underneath the burning debris. The dad screamed for help while his skin charred and turned black. Eli was in full-on scare mode now. They say that somehow the boy survived and managed to pull his dad out. But what he did next is extremely disturbing. I am pretty sure I heard Adrian scoot closer to his sister, and I didn't blame him. I would have climbed in her lap if it hadn't seemed inappropriate. Lowering his voice so that we would all have to lean in, Eli shared the grisly details of what happened next. The boy flung a rope around a tree limb and tied it off. He then tied the other end around his dad's ankles and pulled him up until he was dangling from the tree just a few inches off the ground. The locals and some firefighters found them the next day. The boy was sitting on a log next to his dad's hanging body. He was holding a skinning knife and was covered with blood. The boy had peeled all the charred skin from his father's flesh. When they tried to talk to the boy, who they say was so badly burned that his face was disfigured, he jumped up and ran into the woods. They never could find him, but ever since that day, he roams these woods. He is out there, 
waiting to take revenge for his father's death. Grace exhaled. That is a creepy story. But you said we could see him. How are we going to do that? Well, Eli was about to tell her how, when something bright orange floated slowly down in between all of us, landing right where the fire had been previously burnt. We were all looking at it in silence, when it suddenly burst into a large flame that engulfed the burnt coals. We all jumped. I remember hearing a scream and hoped it wasn't me. But later, that would not be my worst regret. Within an instant, we were all running back towards the road. When we reached the pavement, we didn't stop or look back until we were back at the inn. That is when we noticed Grace and Adrian were not with us. We were arguing about whether or not to go back to look for them when we heard approaching footsteps. We watched as Adrian and Grace hobbled into sight. Adrian had his arm around her, practically pulling her while she stumbled. Before they even reached us, I could smell something burnt. Adrian explained that someone had grabbed Grace by her ponytail just as we ran. He said that when she screamed, he turned around and found her laying on the ground with smoke drifting from her head. All her beautiful blonde hair was gone, burnt completely off except for a few singed chunks. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as we talk about the malevolent shape-shifting water horse of Scottish folklore, the Kelpie.